Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 339 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And today, we stand on the cusp of an enlightening and profound dialogue. Have you ever considered how intimate conversations can bolster relationships? Have you questioned the right moment out approach to introduce sexual desires with a new partner? Your search ends here. Today, we're navigating through these subjects and more, offering you tangible advice and strategies to explore and understand your personal kinks and fetishes. For those of you eager to chart new territories in your sexual relationships, we're here to share insights on initiating these discussions with your partner. Guiding us through today's exploration is the exceptional Stephanie Ganowski, a clinical sexologist and the dynamic host of the YouTube channel, What I Love About Sex. For over five years, Stephanie has been a beacon for men navigating their sexual and relationship challenges. Her mission to turn the table on pressure-filled sexual encounters, infusing them with pleasure instead. So dear listener, if you're ready to embark on the journey of enlightenment, let's dive deep into the realm of self-exploration, understanding, and heartfelt conversation. Before we dive in, I just want to remind you that we recently launched our YouTube channel. You can check it out at Sexology Podcast. And one of our videos on sexless marriages are trending. And I encourage you to check it out. Let me know what you think about it. And send me your questions. I love answering questions, people, on video. So if you got a question, you can DM me at Sexology Podcast or you can put on the comment. We read every single comment on our YouTube channel. Now, let us dive deep. 
Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Stephanie Ganowski on our show today. Stephanie, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have a fellow sexologist and also a sex coach on our show. Last week, we talked about how it would be interesting and empowering to take rests during sexual encounters. So today we're going to talk about how to have conversations about boundaries and communicating what we want and what don't we want. So tell us, what do you think is the benefit of talking about intimacy and sex with our partners? I think there's a lot of benefits. I think the benefits can be trust, you know, security. I think it creates passion and perspective. You know, you get to hear more from your partner's side when you're really listening in to hear them. Plus that all of that builds desire, you know, so the more you do communicate, the more desire is likely to be present. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, they just want to keep the sex going. And a lot of questions are always pertaining to the, the tangible act of sex. But it's like, if you're not building on that communication piece, it may not feel as natural to get to that sex, sexual act because it takes a certain vulnerability to get to that vulnerable act of sex. Absolutely. And I think even if you have no interest of acting on the things you're talking about, I, I see tremendous value in introducing our erotic self to our partner because it brings another depth to the conversation and connection and can make things more interesting. And of course, it helps if we want to have certain experiences in the bedroom, like kink and fetish and all sorts of juicy, exciting things. It's important to be able to talk about it and open up with a partner about it. So some of our listeners, I bet they're in long-term relationships. Some people are dating. A group of people, perhaps, if you like kinks and fetishes, maybe you meet at fed life places that people already know that you're interested in these kind of things. But if you are meeting a new partner, at what point do you think it would be a good idea to talk about our sexual preferences? Well, that's, and I think it differs from person to person, you know, couple to couple or group to group. It really is a matter of your, your comfort level and also your priorities within a relationship and priorities within your sex life. You know, I know people who just simply like relationships that simply they both don't prioritize sex that much. So the topic does not come up until a little later. Versus someone who it is extremely important to them in their lifestyle, they prefer to bring it up a lot sooner so that they can move forward if that relationship is not compatible in with, with them and their, their sexual preferences. So I really think it's a matter of understanding yourself and how you view sex and how you value sex. And based, I, I just believe that we should put our core values, what we value most in life and in a relationship, th those should be some of the first deep conversations we're having with a new partner and that we're seeing potential long-term relationship with. What are your thoughts? I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think kind of like you brought up such a great point about the kind of like our preferences, right? For some people, sex is not front and center and they, like, they're going to focus on what's important for them at earlier kind of stages. But my invitation for, for people is that if there, there are things that are deal breaker, right? Like there are certain acts that you want to have in the relationship, like around the kind of sexual experiences, kinks and fetishes. I would say that as soon as you think you're going to sleep with the person, that would be a good time to talk about it. Because sometimes we kind of hold back. We don't talk about things until we're more invested in, in the person. 
And if that's not compatible for them, and this is a deal breaker for us, it can be more challenging and more disappointing. I agree. You know, it's like a level of pressure if you wait mm-hmm. too long, right? Because mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, things are so perfect, but I have this kink and I haven't brought it up. So like, I don't want to ruin everything by bringing up the kink. Let me wait a little, right? And then they wait and wait and wait. And then they hold back on sex or avoid sex because they're waiting out to discuss this kink. So yeah, you, you make a really good point there. But I've seen this in clients where they just waited too long and it just, it kind of messed up in their head and it, it created a lot of anxiety. So yeah. Or also, if it's not something like very kind of like very different than like quote unquote like vanilla, people try to kind of integrate it without talking about it with the partner, right? And the the partner receiving partner could be surprised by it or like they might have a reaction just because you are kind of like bring it up out of blue in their minds. I think if you're talking to them, negotiating with them, you will have a better opportunity of kind of like exploring things and having conversations. So you wouldn't necessarily get that pushback. Of course, there are times that people might kind of experiment with things, with novelty in the bedroom and go fantastic. But if it is something that's really connected to your sense of identity, who you are, then it would be important to talk about it outside the bedroom. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, if someone would understand their own kinks and fetishes, like before talking to the partner, like, of course, we want to understand more about that part of ourselves and they want to understand more about that part of themselves. For example, if they are intrigued by, by that, how can we explore and better understand our kinks and fetishes? I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just so low play. You know, I think it's really important to get used to your own body and and enjoy your own body and find ways to please your own body. Because when you strengthen your sexual relationship with yourself, it it strengthens your sex relationship with others. So I think solo play and solo experimentation is really powerful, even in the sense where you can go as far as, you know, rehearsing, you know, out loud certain things, like saying things, practicing saying things out of your mouth in a closed room in a safe space with just you and you, you know, it's just, you don't have to worry about external pressures and you could just see what that feels like to say those words or to to put that toy in in your ass, you know, or to to tickle yourselves in that way and without feeling any shame or guilt or awkwardness. So I think it's good to start in that place that that feels safest to you and and work with your body a little bit. And you might even find that like, oh, it's I actually I don't think this is my thing anymore, you know, and then you don't have to bring it to your partner. Or you may be like, okay, I'm really getting excited about this. I really want to share this with my partner. And then it just adds to a certain level of confidence to make it easier for you to express. So I think regardless, solo play is is your friend in this case and in many cases. Absolutely, right? That like this idea of exploring, kind of like rehearsing in your mind, kind of like fantasizing about how would that look like, but also integrating part of it in your own kind of like sexual experiences, like personal experiences, like masturbation is also very, very important. And I think also like looking into supportive communities, because there are like sometimes people when they discover they like something, especially if that's not quote unquote normal, they feel lots of shame and confusion. But there's a galaxy of options out there within any community of kink and fetishes for people that engage in those behaviors and read and kind of think about what would that look like for you? Because as you said, that could you might be interested in part of it, but not other part. And that can also help you to bring more 
clarity with your partner, right? That like sometimes when our partner hears us making a kind of request, they think about what they've seen maybe in the media, things that they don't want to do. But like if they know that this particular thing is something that you're interested in, there might be more opening. But even before talking to our partner about it, if that's not something that you have done before, like maybe it's a kink and fetish or, or some some experience encounter that you haven't explored before, it brings some anxiety and feeling of vulnerability when you want to talk about it with your partner. How do you recommend people to navigate that? I would recommend, well, first, I love I love your advice to finding a community because there are plenty of people in these communities who have gone through the nervousness of not sharing with their partner, holding it in, and then getting to the point where they have shared. And then maybe they've felt a lot of relief from that. Or maybe they haven't. Maybe they felt even more shame after sharing. So you get to share in the experiences with people who've been there and who you can talk to, once again, safely so that you're not feeling like you're, you know, a weirdo or like you're something's wrong with you. So it's that that space is really important, the community space. I would say to prepare yourself for different case scenarios is really a, a a way to help you feel in control of this vulnerable state because it's like, all right, this is a really vulnerable, hard conversation to have. But if I can prepare for the worst and I can also prepare for the best, then I'm prepared. I know how I need to react, you know, and that's that brings a level of comfort and ease just through preparation. So I think, you know, if you just think of like, okay, best case scenario, this happens and she's fine with it or he's fine with it or they're fine with it. And then, you know, that's the only way of going into the conversation. You're you're going to be thrown in a loop because your partner's going to say something you didn't expect. So I would just say like, what's your biggest fear? How can you potentially react to that if that's the response and still remain in your confidence and still remain in your your true self-expression? And if things go well, you know, then how would you react? So just having a, a way to react and feel control of your reactions, I think, is a good way to, to go into that conversation, which will be difficult regardless. You know, well, you brought up so many great points. Like, for example, I, I know that for many people, they feel like, OK, if I introduce that that part of myself or make that request, my partner will leave me and I will be abandoned. How can we prepare for that? And obviously, most of the time, it's an unrealistic scenario, right? But how can, like you said, like prepare for that? What's, what's your recommendation if that is the fear? If that is the fear, I would I would do your best to be extremely vulnerable in how you're fearing and share that fear. You know, to say with your partner, I've wanted to, to share this with you, but I've honestly been terrified that you might leave me and I'm not sure how to say it. So I'm just going to say it to the best of my ability. And I hope that you understand I'm doing this with the best, you know, best intent in the best way I know how, blah, blah, blah. You know, and if you, if you frame it like that and you're just, you're, you show your partner how difficult this is and how much your partner matters to you and how important this fetish matters to you because you're going through this fear to, to communicate it. I think that in itself will help either really help bring you and your partner together because of that vulnerability, or it may, because we never know, you know, it may just put your partner at this place where like, well, I don't know, like, I don't know if I can do this, you know, so there's no way of, of knowing for sure how to get positive reaction, right? But it's to be vulnerable is to show strength and courage and, and on the other side of vulnerability, 
often, for the most part, comes a a bond that you and your partner will share on a deeper level. I agree with you. And I think sometimes one of the mistakes that people make is on kind of like not kind of their self-rejecting, right? Kind of thinking about like, you're probably not interested in this or you don't want to do that. And like, you're rejecting the idea before proposing it to the partner. I love that you're saying that if kind of focus on emotion, first of all, kind of like, so your partner Maybe they don't care about the act, but they care about you. So that brings more openness. And also maybe starting from open-ended question, right? Like I'm thinking about what do you think? Like, I'm very nervous about this. What do you think about this particular activity? So for example, I wonder if there's something that's misunderstood, the type of kink and fetishes, describing it, like people that they do this or bringing this to the bedroom. So kind of like you can hear your partner's thoughts on that. So it wouldn't necessarily be yes or no. And you kind of create space for kind of exploring things. Yeah. Get a little taste of their reaction. Yeah. And give them opportunity so they can kind of ask questions, kind of like think about it. Or even if that's not something you want to immediately implement, right? I think that's also important to say, kind of saying that like, you know, what do you think about this? It's not necessarily mean that I want to kind of implement it from tonight, but I'm curious about that. So that also help our partner to feel like they have space to to explore things. Yeah. 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 And I think that even, yeah, going into it with that that viewpoint of like, hey, like, what are your I was thinking that I might be into this. You know, I'm like, I'm a little afraid of what you're gonna think or say, but like I've just been toying around with the idea of this. Like, what are your thoughts? Or you know, like you just separating yourself from it and just being like, hey, what do you think about like this fetish? What do you think about this fetish? You know, and asking your bunch of fetishes so that it's just getting a, a ballpark idea where your partner stands in terms of kinks and fetishes and just, yeah, having conversations like that. I think if people can, if partnerships can have conversations like that, just in general, like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what are your thoughts on this? Without having it in a motive or a certain intention just to get familiar with like what our partner thinks about things, that will give you a really good indicator of how your partner is going to react to you wanting to bring something into the bedroom that your partner may not, you know, be completely for. So just to have more of these generalized conversations of curiosity of like, hey, like what have you thought about this? Or like, what do you think of people who do that? I think is a good, a good place to start. I think the other thing that's important to keep in mind for any kind of like a sexual preference that you haven't talked to your partner about is maybe unless they're super enthusiastic, my invitation for people is like to take it slow. So what I've noticed that I had like recently my practice, like several couples that I've seen that like one partner is interested in something and the other partner feels like feels pressured, like they're going to deep end of it. Like this was disclosure was today. Next week, we're on that play party. And like, you know, like the partner feels like they didn't have space to process things and kind of like talk about things and kind of see how would that look like. And then after one encounter, they feel so turned off. They feel like this is not what I want. And they kind of completely close the conversation versus if there was something that maybe they had space to explore and examine and kind of like see themselves in different scenarios, maybe that would have turned differently. Yeah. I, I think that's like the same as one piece of advice I give to my, my, my male audience is a lot of them are interested in having anal with their female partners. And they're like, she, she doesn't want, she's totally closed off to anal. I don't know how to get, like, she, she just says she hates it, blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm like, it's, I don't think that most women hate it. I think most women weren't warmed up to the act of it. And it takes warming up. It takes a certain amount of foreplay. It takes a certain amount of lube. It takes a slow progression of like pinky to finger to object to penis, you know, like, and if you're not warming her up and she's fearful she, and you're just going for it, like she's not going to want to do that because it, it can actually cause physical pain, you know? So it's like a lot of this is really just warming up to the idea, either whether that's physical or whether that's mental. Like if we can just give our partner a little baby step version of what we're looking for and take it step by step, you may find that they gradually are like, okay, it's not that bad. You know, like I could keep doing this or I could give you like that extreme version once, once in a while, like, okay, whatever, you know, and it's, it, it turns into this, oh, it's no big deal. Like we've done so much that's similar to that. You know, and you've, you've bonded over those, that progression. So such an important point you brought up. And I agree with you. It's like even like going with the example that you shared with a kind of anal sex is sometimes I feel like many heterosexual couples, female partner at times feel pressure to do that. Right. They feel like, you know, I want to please my partner. I'm doing this. But you're right. I haven't had enough space to gather information about it and also like prepare my body and have the right tools and strategies. And also, I think what can be helpful is for people to talk about why that is erotically charged for them, right? So it's it, it kind of talking about, is it about the kind of like power dynamic in it? Is it about certain visual? Is it about the love and trust that you have in me? And I think that also goes with kinks and fetishes. So sometimes people only focus on the act, that's, which can be okay for some people. But sometimes when we're talking about like if we're psychologically oriented, if we have the inside talking about what makes this encounter juice and exciting for us that can help our partner to be able to see it in a different light. Mm. What about the power dynamic, right? So when if people want to kind of experiment with something that there is a, a power dynamic element to it, how can we communicate what's comfortable for us, what's not comfortable for us? What are some of the recommendations you have for our listeners about that? When it comes to wanting to know what your partner is comfortable with or not, I think a a fun, interesting game to play. Think of it like a game. And I think this is, this came from a VDSM. I think it's a VDSM game, but it's like the traffic light, red light, yellow light, green light, right? So I think to have to think of it like, hey, let's play it. Let's play this couple sex game, right? It's called green light, yellow light, red light. I don't even know what it's called, but it's, it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to name a, a fetish or, you know, a sexual experience and you put it in the red, yellow or the green. The red means it's a hard no. I would never do this. I am not open to this at all, at least not in this moment, right? It's just about the moment. The yellow means, and then I don't know, maybe, maybe I could be talked into it. Like it might be fun. I'm kind of nervous about it. I'm a little afraid about it, but I'd be open to learning about it. And then the green is like, okay, yeah, it's hot. I would, I would go, I would try it. So this way you can kind of have a list. And like I, like I said previously, have like a list of a bunch of different fetishes, sexual ex- experiments that you would, Maybe you want to try with your partner or maybe not try. You just want their opinion. You want to leave with curiosity and play this game with each other. You know, where would you put this one right now in your life right now? Where would you put it in the red, the yellow or the green? And that way you get an idea of where their comfort zones are sexually. And it's it's just a good indicator to know, OK, like so if we're if I ever attempt to do this with my partner, I definitely need to take it slow. I need to ask, you know, give a lot of reassurance. I need to ask if she's or he or there's, they're okay. Like, you know, with it, like give a safe word maybe. So it's just a matter of like knowing where to put the caution and where to feel more free 
and where the hard boundaries are. I agree with you. And I think last week we had this wonderful psychoanalyst and she talked about sexuality, like her book is Sexuality Beyond Consent. And she talked about how kind of eroticism, like the experiences that people might be drawn to happens in the edge of their discomfort, like in the yellow zone area, which keeps it so exciting and can be very kind of like erotically charged. But I think it's helpful to kind of explore with ourselves if we can, right? To kind of what what can help me to step in that space with my partner and how can my partner cultivate that environment? What do you think about that? Like how can people cultivate a container that makes them feel comfortable enough to take risks? I think, you know, going back to communication, when there's consistent communication around vulnerability that relates to sex or not, that creates an automatic safe space. You know, when you can be vulnerable with someone, you feel safe with them. It's that's, you know, in simplest terms. So if you think of it that way, like how, how much, how intimate am I really with my partner? Like, what is our level of vulnerability? Do, do I feel they trust me? Do I trust them? What, you know, just really getting to know that on a, on a deep level. Um, and I think that when you do, and, and then you lay the foundation of, you know, the more, I can't think of the best word for it, but like superficial stuff, like, okay, here's our safe word and here's our, you know, the, the more tangible stuff, I should say. Then, then it's just a matter of that vulnerability plus the rules and having a rule book just lays everything out on the table. And I think that that's what makes people in BDSM so such good communicators because they learn that they have to do that. You know, there has to be rules and they have to be very specific and they have to be very direct and very assertive. So you can't, you can't just play around. There can't be blurred lines when you're, when you're playing with things that could potentially harm you, you know, or, your, so I think just overall to have a level of vulnerability and also to have a level of specificity in your communication to be very direct and forward with with the rules of the game and what you're what you're doing together needs to be an element of embodiment, right? That like sometimes people see these things on, for example, porn, which I'm not against porn, but you see it and you think I have to carry this through, but they don't show up in their body. How does it feel like for me or kind of like, to, so we, I can communicate that in my own way. Yeah. Right, along the way, am I present? What, what shows up for me? Is it exciting? Is it repulsive? Is it bold? Could be so many different things, I think. So that, that component of embodiment is really important. And in reality, sometimes when we are sharing kind of our erotic self with the partner, they might be neutral. Sometimes they might have a negative reaction. Even we could be the best communicator and the person might not be interested in that or something inside them get triggered and they might have a bad negative reaction. How can we take care of them ourselves then? I think to not immediately take it personally, because if you laid the ground rules and you were specific and respectful with the boundaries and moving, you know, that you both agreed upon, then you can't take whatever the reaction is personally, but you can discuss it afterwards, you know, and say, hey, I noticed that, you know, you seem a little anxious right now. Is that true? You know, do you want to talk about it? And I think after having an experience that's very different or very new or potentially involved maybe some pain or, or discomfort or just humiliation, like whatever it may be, just to be able to, to take time to communicate with your partner afterwards. And not just brush it off and get get your ego hurt and then walk away. Like that could be the worst thing that will guarantee you will never have an experience like that again. 
You know, so you want to make sure that you have that space to not take everything personally. Assume that it's not about you. It's about whatever your partner is going through or what, how they perceived it. And ask questions and really be there with each other to support each other around what was just felt. Because that does tend to happen. You know, fetishes and, you know, kinks can raise a lot of emotions and triggers. And it's important to be able to understand that going into it, that these are the potential risks, right? Emotional risks. And to have a partner who you can be vulnerable with and safe, feel safe, comfortably talking about it with is the best thing for you to have another experience in the future that's that's even better. Absolutely. So check in with yourself and check in with your partner. And kind of like thinking that people are dif- into different things, right? Even if your partner, as you mentioned, that like they're not into it, don't take it personal, right? It's like there's a galaxy of preferences out there. It doesn't mean you're wrong. Maybe it, all it means that there's incompatibility in this area. I think then what's important is, as you said, to attend to partners' emotion if they they want to talk about things if they want to process things and then kind of like if it's really important for you it's a deal breaker kind of thinking about how can I get my needs met right kind of like talking about okay is it does it mean like I have to open up the relationship what part of what arrangement I need to make in our relationship agreement right there's so many people that they are they open up the relationship though so the partner can explore that part of themselves outside the relationship but also to your point, sometimes people, maybe first time, like you and your partner, if it's a new skill for you, are not prepared enough, right? Like you don't have the right props, you don't have the right education. So that's why it's important to talk to your partner to see, is this a definite no now? Or it, it means like there maybe we have to do kind of like better props or kind of like going to a professionals, all sorts of things. Or it could be like your partner have an option to say no, right? Like kind of giving them kind of like also honoring that that can that can be very powerful as well. Something else that could be really helpful and powerful would be to go to a dominatrix room with your partner where you get to actually see the list to check off of all the fetishes and kinks that you want to experience in that session. And that could be a way where it's you can watch your partner react to the dom with that or your your partner can watch you and go through that experience. So it doesn't have to be so hands on. So that might work better for certain relationships. Absolutely. And I think I'm like thinking about it. How how do you prefer to engage in it? Right. It could be even you can be there. You could be a participant or you could be someone that you can kind of like your partner can have that experience and talk to you about it. So there's a spectrum of different ways that people can participate in their experiences with the with their primary partner. Well, I know that there are so many things that we we wanted to talk about, but I know we're toward the end of our time. So if our listeners, they want to learn more about you, your services, where can they find those material? They can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube, all under the name Steph Ganowski. The CH. And I also have a podcast, What I Love About Sex. Wonderful. So all that information will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us. Oh, you're welcome. This is great. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. And that, dear listeners, bring us to the end of the 339th episode of Sexology podcast. Today, we dive into the power of intimate conversations in relationships, discuss the importance of when and how to express sexual desires with a new partner, and explore the nuances of personal kinks and fetishes. 
but we're not done just yet. If today's discussion has sparked a desire for more exploration, we've got the perfect tool for you. We invite you to sign up for immediate access to our free foreplay checklist. This checklist will give you nine invigorating ideas to spice up your foreplay tonight. As a bonus, you'll receive a video walkthrough and training to guide through the each step. So why wait? Let's keep the exploration going and add some more spice to your intimate moments. Until our next episode, keep the conversations going and remember, your journey of discovery is uniquely yours and we are here to guide you every step of the way. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.